0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, We've been in a series called Called. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. And I'm gonna be reading, we've kind of just, for general information, I've kind of been in the ESV a lot more lately, so I'm going to be reading from a passage of scripture from the ESV. Uh, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the end of it, and then the beginning of 13. And I'm also going to be in Luke, but you know what? You can just The verses are going to be on the screen. Have you ever had anyone in your life that would ask you to do something, and you're just like, when they ask you, you're like, okay, yeah, I got to do this, because it's the person asking and how they ask, then you just, you're, you're committed to doing it. When my family would travel back from overseas from the mission field, we'd stay at my grandmother's house for periods of time. And my granny, who's not very tall, she's a sweet little old lady, had no problem, by the way, if you did something wrong, she would stand in your face and you would know it. You did not win across granny. But she was a sweet old lady. But she had this ability that when I was staying at her house to ask me to do things around the house for her and she would pay me, she would pay me probably not amazingly well. Of course, granted, I was living in her house for free, eating her food, so that counts as something significant for sure. But I would always remember when I was gonna stay at Granny's house, she's gonna sit me down and be like, hey, listen, can you do this project for me? And as I got older, I just started getting used to, okay, Granny's gonna ask me to do something. And I remember when I was a teenager staying at Granny's house, she came to me one morning, she said, hey, listen, will you put in a pathway of paver stones to my front door? When someone asks you to do something, you have this ability, I was like, sure, granny. And so I did not realize what I was signing up for. And she, she took me out there into her lawn and she has this big ranch house out in North Carolina. And it was not like two little stones. It was an entire pathway. She's like, great, I'm so glad you wanna do this. I'm like, all right, woo! Went to Lowe's, she bought all the stone. And for a day and a half, my teenager self spent was out there taking these heavy stones, creating this amazing pathway for my granny now at the time i'm like man this is a lot of hard work can i just tell you something hard work is actually good for you hard work when you're a teenager is good for you and so like i'm out there and i'm working hard and my granny and and is out there and here's the thing which is funny as a teenager you're like ah you know whatever you just want to you're just you're just doing it i'm 42 years old that stone pathway is still right there I'm proud of that little monument that I did. My teenager self was out there, blood, sweat, and tears. For all these years later, it's still right there, and I can look at that. Sign my little name on that. That's something that I did. But my granny had this ability that when she would ask you to do something, she'd send you on this mission. My sweet little old granny, hey, can you? Man, my floors really need mopping. Can you mop the floors? (laughs) Have you ever had anyone in your life that was able to ask you to do something? And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do this. Imagine for a second... God, God, the creator of everything sits and he looks at you and he's gonna say, I have a mission that I want you to do. I'm gonna ask you to do something. This is the thing that I'm gonna tell you I want you to go on with your life. You can do all these different things, but there's a mission that your life should be aiming towards, that you're called by him to do. And in fact, the Bible says that God does just that. Jesus, before he ascends back to his father, he looks at his disciples and he looks at them, he says, I wanna give you a mission. I wanna give you something that when I leave, you're gonna continue to carry on. And it's called the Great Commission. And I'm not gonna read these verses, and you probably know them. In fact, the vision of our church, building disciples to go make disciples, comes from Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. This is God looking at us, Again, the church is not a building, the church is also not a service, it's a people. He looks at his people and he looks us dead in the eye and he says, I want you to live for more than just now. I want you to live for a mission. And he says this, I want you to go into the world and I want you to take this message, this gospel message of what I have done, of what I have taught and how I gave my life and resurrected and I want you to go into the world, to Judea, to Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth even to Honeopath, as far away as Pelzer. And if you can find Piedmont on a map, go there to to Greer, to Greer, to Greer. (laughs) Where the sweet tea flows like milk and honey. And it's, listen, if you're from the north and you've moved here recently and you order sweet tea and you expect it to be not sweet with a little bit of lemon, you're in the south now. When you order sweet tea, it's mostly sugar and a little bit of tea. That's how it's done. By the way, that tea is also in heaven. It's part of the river of life that flows. (laughs) And you drink it in heaven and you gain no weight. I want you to know something. It's a miracle. It's beautiful. But Jesus gives his disciples a mission. And it's one they take deadly seriously. In fact, all, all of the disciples except for one ends up dying a martyr fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave them. They give their life to expand and take this gospel. And now 2,000 years later, that mission that Jesus gave, that asking us to do something is no no less diminished. It's what we're called to do, all of us in this room. The Great Commission isn't for the professional Christians. It's for all of us, it's for the church. And so we're called into this. But I have a thought, and this thought, listen for the grammar people in this room, I'm not good at grammar, and I'm sorry, this is gonna be a double negative. I love you anyway, okay? Let me give you a thought, though, and this is an important thought. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission until we first follow the Great Commandments. I've been a missionary, I grew up in the mission field, I know that's crazy, but I was born overseas. The joke among the staff is that I really didn't grow up overseas, that it's all a joke, that I was actually born at Memorial Hospital, Prisma, and that I've lived here my whole life, but... I grew up in the mission field. I grew up with this great commission mindset. I grew up trying to take this message of the gospel into remote places. We, we used to visit Indian, native Indian tribes in the jungles of Peru. We would visit Indian tribes in the mountains of Bolivia. We would take this message. So I know what that's like, but let me tell you as a, let me tell you having experienced really being on front lines in a lot of ways of this stuff, We will never be able to take this great commission, which is the gospel, into places until we first follow the great commandments. Now, what are the great commandments? Well, in Matthew chapter 22, someone asked Jesus to summarize what the greatest commandments are, and he said this, the greatest commandments are these two things, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you something? We will never fulfill the great commission until we first follow the great commands. That the essence of everything we are called to do, every one of us in this room, ready, comes down to this, love. That we might love God and that we might love people. This is the essence of everything. This should undergird, this is our why. Why do we do this? When we love God and we love people, the Great Commission will flow out of that, It is love that centers us. It is love that guides us. Love should be everything. And we, as followers of Jesus, should be rooted in. In fact, Ephesians 3 says this that you would allow yourself to be rooted in God's love so that you would be made complete. That love would actually be the defining characteristic of all of us in this room. Now, who are we called to love? Well, love your spouse, love your family, love your neighbor. What about your enemy? Love them too. There's no exceptions for who you and I are called to love. Now listen, when I talk about love, I'm not just talking about the warm and fuzzies, kumbaya around the campfire because love isn't always warm and fuzzy. Love can show up at the worst of times or the most difficult of moments. Love can confront someone when they're going down the wrong path and say, "I love you, but what the heck are you doing?" Love has the ability to address issues. Love has the ability to say that's wrong. Love has the ability to say I want what's best for you and not just what's easy or feels good. And yet as Christians we are called into this love and let me tell you what I see. I believe deeply in the great commission but I know that we will never achieve it if we as followers, the church of God, don't have love. In fact, let me, let me give you the words of Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, at the very end, he's writing these things. He's talking about the gifts in the church, and he says this. And I will show you a still more excellent way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am still nothing. By the way, that faith to remove mountains, I think this is cool. I've shared this several times before in the past, but Jesus, when he's teaching on that, he says, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it will be moved. That at the time, there was a, 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 his name is Herod. He's called Herod the Great, not because he was a great person. He was a horrible human. He killed his wives and his kids. He was awful. He's called Herod the Great because he did all these architectural wonders. One of the architectural wonders that Herod did is he literally moved a mountain to build a palace. And I wonder if when Jesus is picking up that mustard seed and he's talking to his disciples, he's like, if you had the faith like this, you would say to this mountain, move. And I wonder if they, in the distance, they saw what Herod had done. And he's saying, if you had the faith of this and you could say to this mountain, move, and it will be moved. Here, Paul is saying this. If I could accomplish all of these things but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Christianity is not about being a nice person and Christianity is not about being a spectator sport. Christianity is about walking in love. It's about walking in love. So let me me give you the Jeremy translations. Let me tell you what I think. And these next two are not scripture. These are my thoughts. And you could take this in a lot of different ways, but I wanna give you how deeply I, I, when I read this from Paul in this Corinthians passage, when I think about our church, let me tell you how I see this when I think about our church. And again, this is not scripture, but let let me give you the Jeremy, the second Jeremiah version of this. And I will show you a still more excellent way. And this is me thinking about us as a church corporately. If we have a great worship experience but have not love, we are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if we grow so large and impact this whole region, and if we have all faith so as to see God transform the upstate but have not love, we have accomplished nothing. The interests. I don't wake up in the morning and say to myself, how big can Renovation Church be? You know what I want? I want when people come at Renovation Church, they encounter a God who loves them and a people who love them because God loves them. And when we gather together, there's there's no pretense, there's no pretending, there's no diminishing. There's people who are broken who are being healed by a God who is good. We worship him. That's what I care about. Let me take this to an individual level. Let me take this for you, ready? The the importance of love. Here's for the individual, ready? And I will show you a still more excellent way. This is my thoughts. If you live as a good person but have not love, you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if you have all, listen, and if you are all faithful with your finances and relationships and build a great reputation in the community and secure a good name for yourself, and if you have all faith so as to move mountains, But have not love, you have accomplished nothing. The height of Christianity is not to be a good person. It's not to be a nice person. We are followers of Jesus, and Jesus leads us into love. And so what we're called to do in this series, we've talked about a variety of different things. Let me tell you what I believe about love. Let me give you some thoughts and it's gonna be both corporate and individual. And this is part one. Next week I'm gonna do part two. Um, But let me give you what I believe, ready? Let me tell you why I think this really, really matters. Let me give you my first thought. I believe that the world needs to see the gospel and not just hear it. I believe that the world needs to see people who genuinely care and love love without strings attached, with no pretense. Now again, when I talk about love, I'm not talking about just the warm and fuzzies, and we've made love in our current culture to be that you have to agree with how I feel. That's not love. We have to be very careful with that. We don't compromise on the things that we know to be God's truth. We don't walk away from God's truth. But by the way, my kids, they're growing up, I have 13, 10, and four, my four-year-old, if he told me that I loved him only by feeding him M&M's, that's his interpretation of what love would be. As a dad, let me tell you something. I want him to also have a vegetable every once in a while. Like throw some broccoli in there, my man. Eat it, eat, you know, and, 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 and uh, so love isn't just about doing what, what we think makes someone happy. That's not love. And I've said this many times. God is more interested in you being whole than in you being happy. The things that you think will make you happy actually sometimes end up entrapping you and making you unhappy in the long run because you think the thing that makes you happy now is not gonna make you happy five years from now. God is good enough to love you enough to not give you the thing that makes you happy now so that you can actually experience something that's more fulfilling later. He's a God who wants the wholeness of us and not just the happiness in the moment. That's how good he is. And so when we talk about God loving us, but here's the thing, I believe the world needs to see the gospel which is why I believe that in a divided, broken world, do you, know what, do you know what there could be? A church that is united and full of love because the spirit that's in the church is not the spirit that's in the world. So what marks us should not be anything other than love. And again, I'm not talking about the warm and fuzzy, everything's good. No, I'm talking about love that's able to speak truth. I'm talking about love that's able to love. By the way, Jesus loved the Pharisees when he confronted the Pharisees. He loved them but it wasn't warm and fuzzy. Do you know what he called them? Brood of vipers. Go to your neighbor. If love, hey, brood of viper. No, just don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. My pastor said, <laughs> no, don't do that. The world needs to see the gospel. Let me, let me give you another thought, ready? I believe this. We are still moved by love today. Intrinsically, in all of us, when we hear stories of love, we are moved. I read the, uh, there's a, a, a newspaper article I read about a lady who was in her car and she was crying because her sister-in-law had just died and she's sitting in the parking lot of Target and she goes inside to Starbucks and the barista there's having a hard day and she encourages the barista and the barista writes a note on the cup and says, you are a golden person. That little act, she said, she got that, didn't know the person of anything, that little act of kindness, she said, and it made it into a newspaper. I know Chat GPT is out there. I know AI is out there. I know the world is changing like crazy. Can I tell you something that won't change? That we are still moved by acts of love. Let me show you a picture real quick. This is just a simple picture. You could look this up yourself. It was caught in a subway. This is a a 23-year-old guy. saw a guy who was shirtless in the subway system with scars on his head and on his body, and he took off his shirt. It was caught on camera. It made it into several magazines and in the news. A simple act of giving someone a shirt. Because something inside of all of us were moved by love. Let me show you the next picture, real quick. This is, there's a ministry called the Free Burma Rangers, and actually, we support missionaries who work in this ministry. It's incredible. Their names are Blake and Sammy, and they have four beautiful daughters. But this guy right here, he's the guy who started this. He was a former U.S. Special Forces commander. So, commander in our special forces of our incredible military here in our nation. And as he was discharged from that, he went in and said, I want to start a ministry. And you know what his ministry is? You know what they do? They go into conflict zones with the name of Jesus. When everyone else is fleeing, they go into the conflict zones. And this picture right here is in Syria, in which ISIS has been shooting down. There was a bunch of civilians trapped behind a wall. And ISIS was in a building behind. I wanted to play the clip, but I didn't know if it was going to be triggering or too difficult to be able to watch because it's super intense. But it's an unbelievable clip of ISIS behind in a building and they're shooting and sniping at this entire group of people and you're watching as the guns go that there's bodies that are laying on the ground because they've been hit. And Dave right here, his former special forces, notices that there's a little girl who's surrounded by, by, listen, bodies that have been shot. And he says to himself, someone's gotta go get that girl. And he looks around and he says, I'll go get that girl. And so in the midst of gunfire, by the way, he's in there when everyone else fled. And the story, you look at him and he gets up and he's a former special forces guy and he sees this little girl and he runs into the gunfire. Literally, gunfire's coming at him and he grabs the girl and she's half catatonic at this point because her, I mean, just the pure hell of it. And he grabs her and he runs out. And there's something in all of us that's, that is moved. How could we not be moved by that? Love. Love is, changes things. Let me give you the last, my last thought and then we're gonna look at two verses and then we'll be done. Not only are we still moved by love, but let me tell you something. We can't give what we don't have do you know why I think we have a hard time loving? Because we have a hard time being loved. Now let me, let me get to the root of this, ready? As Christians, intellectually, we know that God loves us. And when I think we've also had experiences in life in which we have felt God loving us. But do you know what the enemy does? It wants to steal our time with God so that we know deep in our hearts that God loves us to the core of who we are. Let me tell you something, when I grew up, this is kind of random. I thought the Eiffel Tower was overrated. I'm like, why do people care about the Eiffel Tower? It's a stupid thing sticking up in the sky in Paris. It's not that romantic. And so I'm like, I, always in my life, I know it's random thought the Eiffel Tower was overrated until when I was in college, I went over to Europe and I got a chance to visit the Eiffel Tower and see it in person. And I remember as a kid, long story short, I ended up waking up with a couple of buddies of mine. We actually ended up sleeping. We couldn't, you can't sleep there all night, they have guards. But like around four in the morning, we went out there. We laid our sleeping bags down. The guards let us do this. And I remember looking at the Eiffel Tower from the bottom looking up and the sunrise coming over and being there in person. Do you know what happened? It was unbelievably Beautiful. Let me show you a picture of the Eiffel Tower from the bottom looking up. Being there in person is different from seeing in a picture. And do you know what I think we do with God? I think we know that God loves us, but it's like distant, it's far away. You might see Grand Canyon in pictures, but it's not the same as to you're standing on the precipice of the Grand Grand Canyon. That's a separate thing until you're actually at the Grand Canyon yourself and you look out and see the expanse, you can know about something or you can be with something. And I think we know about God's love, but we don't stop long enough. So how come we can't give what we don't have? Because the enemy has made us be so distracted and busy that we don't stop long enough just to realize how deeply and much God loves us. So, Real quickly, I want you to see this passage of scripture, ready? Luke chapter ten. I'm gonna read this fast. I'm gonna invite Jeffrey to come up on stage. He's gonna come up here and we're gonna do something a little bit different as we wrap up service. Ready? By the way, if you don't if you wonder, does God love you? Gabe mentioned this during worship. Go to the cross. He was nailed to it. His insides were exposed when he was whipped. And a crown of thorns was placed on his head. And if you wonder whether God loves you or not, go to the cross. And then you know what else? Look back in your life. Has God not been faithful before? If he was faithful back then, is he not faithful today? I am running out of time. Holy Moses. All right, Luke 10. Now as they went their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You know this story. You've read it before. You've been preached it before. And when she went up to him, she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the, to, to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Ready? Listen to this. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which is not to be taken away from her. Did you see that? You are anxious and troubled by many things. You're like, why the heck are you wearing a backpack? All of us, and this is a simple illustration, have unbelievable burdens that we brought. Every one of us, doesn't matter your age, you have a weight on you. And the weight can be different for different people and different at different times in your life. The weight might be relational. It might be a marriage situation. It might be a financial situation. There's a health problem. The weight might be, God, why am I here? The weight might even be, how the heck am I gonna make it through this? But you have a weight on your shoulders. And Martha goes to Jesus. She goes, listen, don't, why is Mary not doing anything? She's lazy. The Bible talks, the proverb says, don't be lazy. And and Jesus, he says this, you are anxious and troubled by many things. In other words, you've been carrying the weight of everything. Do you know what we're really good at, all of us in this room? We've gotten used to the weight of the things that we have. And when we go to bed at night, we carry the weight in our thoughts. And we wake up in the morning, we try and figure out life. But either way, all of us today came in with a weight. But do you know what the Bible says? It says this, and Mary did it. She sat at the feet of Jesus. And this means this. Do you know what happens when you sit? The weight that you've been carrying for just a moment, all of a sudden a little bit lighter and then the Bible says this cast your cares on the Lord why because he cares for what weighs you down there is a correlation between the anxiety that we feel and the busyness that we have in our life and the enemy wants to keep us busy because he wants us to be anxious. And when we're led by anxiety, that means that we're led by all kinds of different things. But the spirit of God is a spirit that means to set us free, to take the burdens and the weights that we brought with us into this thing. And when we change and stop, and stop being in such a hurry, we, listen, we realize, and I could list the weights that I've carried, and I am carrying Can I tell you something in this last year? As we've gone from one church location to two, by the way, Greenville today is baptizing nine people. Isn't that awesome? Nine people are getting baptized in Greenville. But as our church has grown in the two locations, and as, can I tell you something? I feel like God has another location for us not too long down the road. And I'm like, I have all these things and I'm trying to figure out do you know what I've realized? The more I try and take on myself, the worse everything gets. The more anxious I become, the more fearful I become. And then all of a sudden, I'm just so busy doing, I'm just trying to survive. And I've realized that God loves me enough to speak to me and to say, stop. And I'm here to tell you something, stop. Do you know why we don't love? We don't love because we're busy. We don't love because we're anxious. We don't love because we're so focused on ourselves. But when we stop, and I know we're gonna end service this way, Ready? Let me tell you what I've, this last year, I'll find a worship song, I have a couple of them now, and I'll take my mind off of the things that weigh me down and I'll turn my mind onto who God is and I'll just sit at his feet and it's a worship song that I'll put on that I'll listen to and my focus begins to go away from the things that I've been carrying onto a God who is good and I sit there and you know what happens? It's, the, it's, it's listen, this isn't hocus pocus. God reminds me that I'm not in this alone, that he made me for a purpose and that he loves me and despite how I feel, he has never left me or forsaken me. So I wanna invite you into what? Let me, I wanna invite you into a song that I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus for. And we're not gonna ask you to stand and worship and Jeffrey's gonna play it. But in all the weights that I've had, and I know that I, some of you have far heavier weights than I, I carry. But do you know what I know about Jesus? There's no weight too heavy for him. And I am convinced that we will never be able to love a world if we don't first allow God to just love us. So my challenge is that we would stop and sit before the king. And I'm gonna do something a little different in this service. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and just close your eyes. And we're gonna go into a moment where we just sit. And I'm gonna invite you. This is one of the songs. We've not sung it on a Sunday morning. This song between me and the Lord, it's turned my attention onto how good my God is. And when I, listen, when I was wondering, God, how do we do two two churches? How do we do this thing? And I don't understand. When I was thinking, Lord, how do I make it through this thing with my family? Oh, Lord, when the weights that I carried, how's my mom gonna do when she goes back overseas again and it's more dangerous? What's gonna happen with my dad's health? What's gonna happen? How am I gonna make it through with my son's situation over here? I have all these weights. And when I would sit down and stop, this song would come on and I would turn my attention and I would see God is good and his love, his love would move me. So we're just gonna take this moment and not be in a hurry and just allow God to speak to us. So let me tell you for me, every time I wondered Is it possible to get through this? Is it able to, how do I navigate this? And I would go into this song and I would just sit, I would just sit at the feet of God and I would change my, I'm telling you something, my perspective shifted. I'm here to tell you something. God does not want you to live in depression. God does not want you to live broken. God does not want you to live wondering. What God wants is for you to see that he loves you so much that he died for you and that you are never alone, that he is with you like a shepherd with his sheep. He is guiding you. You have never been alone. And this love that God has for us is meant to complete us, to make us right, to make us whole with him. Sitting at the feet of of God, so now listen to this passage of scripture, ready? You know what happens when we sit at the feet of God? The Bible talks about waiting on the Lord. you know what happens? Isaiah 40 says this, "'Have you not known, have you not heard? "'The Lord is the everlasting God, "'the creator of the heavens and the ends of the earth. "'He does not faint, he does not grow weary. "'His understanding is unsearchable. "'He gives power to the faint, "'and to him who has no might, he increases strength. "'Even youths shall faint and be weary, "'and the young man shall fall exhausted.' But they who wait on the Lord, they that sit at his feet, they that are not in such a hurry doing, but stop to just be in his presence. Those that wait on the Lord, I love this, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All right, I'm done. And I want you to look at me now listen to me my challenge to you this week as pastor is stop doing no seriously I know you heard me stop the best thing you will ever do in your life is just sit at the feet of the king we will never fulfill the great commission if we first don't see how much God loves us and you can't give what you don't have It's one thing to see the Eiffel Tower in a picture. It's another thing to be there. It's one thing to hear about God's love. It's another thing to sit in his presence and realize he is not far. He's never been far. He's good. So I'm gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna pray for you because you came in with a weight and I want you to give it to the Lord. I want you to trust him with it. I want you to give it to him. Take, take the fear. It's not about securing control in your life. It's about surrendering it over to the Lord. And just surrender. So as every head is bowed and eyes closed, King of kings and Lord of lords, creator of heaven and earth, I pray for every burden and every weight in this room. There's none too light and there's none too heavy. May our attention be Put still. And may we be led into your presence where we encounter you, not at a distance, but close, to experience into the core of who we are a God who loves us unconditionally. May we be so moved by the love that you have for us. That we would be filled with hope. That we would run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. I pray for every burden to be laid at your feet. And that we might just sit in your presence. In your holy precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His Kingdom at therenovation.church.